You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, now the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you on this Monday, a great Monday if you're a Pelicans fan, with the new hire of David Griffin coming in to lead the front office. I'm going to talk a little bit about how this deal got done and why it came together so quickly, as well as a few other behind-the-scenes things that went on here with the Pelicans, David Griffin, and some of these other front office candidates that they were interviewing. Then we're going to be looking at the timeline, next steps, what does he immediately need to take care of, what will be coming in the future, and then we're just going to catch up on some news around the league because the playoffs have started. Other teams have openings. It's going to be curious to see how all of these pieces fall down. So let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So the David Griffin hire, big deal for the New Orleans Pelicans. If you didn't listen to it, I did an emergency podcast on Friday shortly after that news broke and covered some of the basics there. But let's talk a little bit more about how this occurred and how this all went down. So we had an idea that it was between David Griffin and Danny Ferry. Those were the two front runners, the guys with the best track record and the most experience there, along with Gerson Rosas, who from the... Uh, Houston Rockets has been kind of with that team for 17 years before briefly being the general manager of the Dallas Mavericks before leaving because of nebulous job descriptions and roles there, I guess, were the main guys. But it was really those two front runners. Trajan Langdon interviewed too. This is a guy that was hot on everyone's mind as the kind of big up and coming GM. It doesn't sound like his interview went all that well and that he ever really had a shot in the first place at the Pelicans job. They were obviously going to do their due diligence with this, but I don't think he was ever in real serious consideration unless he came in and completely blew them away. This was an organization that kind of had their sights on the most experienced guys possible, and Langdon just isn't there yet. So it was Danny Ferry who was really the front runner, and kind of everything put out there made you feel like that would be the case. But as I'd said for a couple weeks now, I don't know if this was a position that he necessarily wanted, and his statement after the fact really kind of said as much. It was just more about timing and some issues with his family. I'm not going to go into that, but I've said there's some sick family members maybe that he needs to be uh, taken care of or more focused on and didn't really just want to uproot everyone and bring them to New Orleans, and I think that really played a factor in it. There's a reason he liked being kind of the special consultant here and not the main guy who was here full time. He was spending once uh, one day a week here, if that, during his tenure as a consultant for the Pelicans, but stepped in to kind of right the ship in the wake of the Dell Demps firing. So he was never really going to take the job, but the Pelicans liked him and hoped that they could maybe persuade him to take it and change his mind. They weren't able to get that done. And it sounds like both sides kind of had an idea that this would be the case. Enter David Griffin. 
And why did this get done on Friday when we thought we might hear some news today about it or over the weekend? And, well, that's maybe it's, it's obvious, but it was maybe complicated or sped up a little bit by the Los Angeles Lakers, who in the wake of the Magic Johnson incident, just up and quitting without telling his boss and resigning, what have you, reached out to David Griffin right away to see about his interest in being their president of basketball operations. And because of that, the Pelicans really needed to kind of get moving and make a decision on this. And they did. You know, when they realized Ferry just wasn't going to take it, they quit quickly went after and shored up and locked up David Griffin. And that's how this got done. It sounds like we'll have an official press conference on Wednesday is what I'm gathering to introduce him. We should know more about maybe his role, which is going to be the top basketball decision maker. But what is his job title, which I don't think necessarily has been firmed up and has been finalized. But again, whatever it is, those titles are semantics. They don't matter. He's the top basketball decision maker. And again, his title may as well be guy who gets to trade away Anthony Davis. He may bring in another GM. He may fill out the front office more. And he will fill out the front office more with who we have yet. We'll, we'll, we'll find out later. But that's how this deal got done. And the Pelicans realized they couldn't really think about it more over the weekend. They didn't have that much time because LA was really making a run at David Griffin. So they got this done. They kind of identified who they wanted and didn't let other teams strike. This is the advantage of making the move in February to get rid of general manager Dell Demps and kind of having the jump on all the other franchises that are making front office changes. And you're seeing kind of shifts right now through the league. It was a very busy black, what was it, Thursday is what it is in the NBA, the day after the season ends, when coaches get fired, when GMs get fired. Washington had a bit of an advantage too. The Suns had an advantage all season long, not having anyone officially in the GM role, but didn't start their search till well after the Pelicans. So they were in a good position to get the best guy on the market. They did. And as we talked about in the emergency podcast, they kind of sent shockwaves around the league with this. Not only would David Griffin agree to this, but he kind of solidifies or legitimizes the Pelicans front office and their aspirations. So it's a pivotal offseason for the Pelicans. If you want to keep up with everything, the best way to do that is subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast through the brand new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-changing podcast world, there's way too many podcasts out there. Himalaya helps you figure out the content you want to listen to with personally curated playlists and new features being added every single day to make it easier than ever to listen to the content and the podcast that you want. So make sure to listen and subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast through the brand new Himalaya podcast app. So in is David Griffin. That's the big piece of news. So now what? What's next? Obviously, there's going to be a trade for Anthony Davis at some point. There's going to be a player drafted in the lottery once we find out exactly where the Pelicans pick lands. But what else? What needs to get done here? And the answer is a whole lot. You know, based off of this hire occurring, and David Griffin's not cheap. He's going to be expensive here and wanted a lot of power and a lot of control with this organization and a lot of concessions from ownership to make this kind of run like he wants. And that means an expanded front office more money invested in the scouting department and analytics. So they're going to need to hire a whole lot more people, even if they're already keeping some of the ones that are going to be in place. But usually you kind of see a house cleaning come after this. With the way the Anthony Davis tenure ended here and such kind of a dismal display of the front office to build a contender around him, are they really going to keep anybody from the previous 
regime, and I don't know, which means for about the 10 guys that they've had there in the front office, they're going to need to put even more in. So maybe one of them's a GM, but again, these are just job titles. It does not matter nearly as much because the ultimate decision maker is David Griffin, but he needs to come in and he needs to do a full assessment of this franchise and figure out where they are going to invest, what they're going to do. And that means a lot of job interviews, a lot of hiring, and a lot of just putting the basic infrastructure in place that they want. So they're going to rebuild the front office. They're going to rebuild the scouting department. They're going to rebuild potentially the training staff, which frankly is just a dream come true if that's the case. For all the people who say they're fine, whatever, you can't prevent some of these things. Things were good. The Pelicans wouldn't be beefing this up and spending even more money on it. And it's certainly something they need to do, even if it's just to kind of clear the perception around the league. So with this in place, it's a lot of work to be done. The current front office, led by Danny Ferry and previously Dell Demps, has done a lot of the scouting. Have you know have scouting reports on the upcoming draft picks, on the guys that they're going to be looking at, and a lot of that works in place and done. And you don't necessarily need to replicate that or duplicate that. And you can kind of just go by what you have there. And Ferry's goal, from what I was told, was he wanted to leave this position in excellent shape for whoever came in. He didn't want this to kind of be like, okay, well, he held it together. He wanted to make meaningful changes that someone would step in and be like, oh, wow, we're not nearly behind the eight ball like we thought it was going to be. And it sounds like he's done that. So a lot of that work's done in place. And then the next big piece, once you have that, is probably going to be to retain Alvin Gentry. I'd be willing to bet at this point that he's going to stay. I think if it was Ferry, he was going to be gone. But now David Griffin, who's got some familiarity with him, is here. And I think that's a good thing. So you'll see Alvin Gentry stay, which isn't the worst when you maybe just need a coach for a bridge year, a gap year, something like that. And then you've got the Anthony Davis trade. And that's starting to when you, you, you put it all together. So you've got your scouting department, your front office in place. You have an idea of the guys that you're going to draft in the upcoming draft. So now maybe on draft night, you're starting to do a bunch of mock drafts internally. How might things go? And then if we make this trade, what picks do we have? Okay, which guys would we select there? And then who would we maybe want back in the trade from that team too? We already know that he wants a young guy you can build around, a couple of draft picks, and a very good role player that kind of brings more to the team than just his play. But you also don't want to have too many people overlapping and duplicate positions, you know, maybe except for maybe the small forward. The Pelicans could use like a hundred of those and maybe one would actually work out and we can kind of end the drought of competent play from that position. So that's really where the next big step for the Pelicans will be is kind of navigating this trade, but putting it into the larger context of the team, because depending on your return, you might get into the playoffs sooner rather than later, or at least compete for them next year. And I think that's going to kind of be the big step. So the Anthony Davis trade, while important, also kind of has other things attached to it. And that is the scouting. That is the draft. That is the lottery and all of that. Then after that, it's really just kind of putting together a plan for free agency and figuring out what you want to do there, what the cap space is going to be, kind of getting answers on Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, and others. So it's a lot of work to do, but if you do it in the right steps, I don't think it's unmanageable. And the first things first is just kind of start to shore up this front office, get the right people hired and put them to work. And we'll probably get a better idea of what they're going to be doing with that come Wednesday.
So we're going to recap some of the stuff going on around the league in the next segment. But if you want to keep up with all of the playoff craziness, all of the front office hires, all of the firings too, I guess is another way to look at it. Best way to do that, the Locked On NBA podcast, Monday through Friday. Yes, even after the season ends, bringing you all the content you need to keep up with everything going on around the association. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On NBA. So a lot going on around the NBA as we hit the playoffs, but first hirings and firings, and oh boy, things picked up a little bit. Shortly after Magic Johnson out with the Los Angeles Lakers, they also booted out their head coach, Luke Walton, who basically within like 24 hours, 48 hours, has signed a deal with the Sacramento Kings, who also fired their head coach after having their best season in something like 10 years. So in out of L.A. is Luke Walton, into Sacramento is Luke Walton, and Dave Yorger, who's the former Kings head coach, also the former Memphis head coach, out looking for a job. As good of a coach as he is, and I think it's been kind of proven that Yorger is a pretty good coach, that dude seems just awful to work with as you had like multiple teams just really want him gone despite having winning seasons. That tells you something. I don't have any insight to that, but just seeing that is kind of an interesting thing and something that's kind of obvious. And it's like, well, if no one wants him, but he's a good coach, man, like there's something going on below the surface there. Now with David Griffin here in New Orleans, it sounds like the uh, Lakers might be just promoting Rob Palinka or giving him more power. I think, and this is not even with Game of Thrones starting last night. People kept referring to Vladi, who fired their assistant GM before firing Jorger, as consolidating his power. And now it sounds like Rob Palinka, the GM of the Los Angeles Lakers, will be consolidating his power, whatever the hell that means, and kind of fortifying his position there in L.A. In the playoffs, we had the first day start on Saturday. It was a day of the underdogs and the lower-seeded teams winning, except for the Golden State Warriors and the Clippers, and Golden State won there, as they should have. But you had the Brooklyn Nets beating Philadelphia in Game 1. You had the Orlando Magic beating the Toronto Raptors in Game 1. The Toronto Raptors, who were out uh, without OG and Uboy because he had an emergency appendectomy at the last minute right before the game. It's going to be out for a couple of weeks. That's a little bit scary. Also, Toronto should probably never be favored in game one of a playoff series ever again. I think that just became an, like a, a fact of life. And then in the, the nightcap of that game, you had the San Antonio Spurs really kind of put the hurt on the Denver Nuggets. They won this 101-96 through some just unbelievable defense, really limiting Nikola Jokic, not letting Denver get hot from behind the arc, and allowing guys to come in and take long twos or take shots at the rim, and even then they weren't doing that good of a job of it. And you had this in a game where DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge combined for something like 33% shooting, and they still managed to win. You saw just such a well-coached team in this game, closing out on those open shooters, having a game plan, sticking to it against a younger, more inexperienced team, which led to a win. In yesterday's games, it was a little bit more chalk as the favorites were winning. You had Boston win in their first game. Portland getting a much-needed home playoff victory as the three-seed versus the six-seed. Then you had Milwaukee basically end the series against Detroit with a 121-86 victory, and I'm recording this before the Utah Jazz and Houston Rockets tip off. So, interesting first kind of games of the playoffs as it kind of goes according to plan, but then also doesn't. 
And then, of course, you have the, the Warriors beat the Warriors. That's the news around the league. Sorry, not Warriors beat the Warriors. Warriors beat the Clippers. But also, maybe, you know, the Warriors are the only team that can probably beat the Warriors if you want to kind of get a little bit more, I don't know, meta with it. So anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. We'll have more on David Griffin tomorrow. We're going to spend some time looking at his past track record with the Cleveland Cavaliers, what he did with the Phoenix Suns as well, as we kind of look to see what the mold he might bring to this team will be. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow.